Today's episode of Heat Check is brought to you by Belvedere, produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries. Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka, part of a 600-year Polish vodka-making tradition. Belvedere is made with non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Recognized for quality, Belvedere was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today, and remember, always drink responsibly. Today's Heat Check is also brought to you by Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Yahoo Daily Fantasy is coming out of All-Star Weekend hot. Every day they're running a zero management fee fantasy basketball contest. That means Yahoo is making nothing on this contest and that equals better odds for you to win. One in five people who play will at least double their entry fee. Tired of playing against people with 150 entries? Well, there's a limit of 10 entries per person, so don't miss these contests. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy to play. Use promo code YAHOO25 when you make your first deposit for $25 in free play. And now, heat check. Welcome to Heat Check. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, joined as I am every week by my producer, Isaac Lee. Isaac, the mystery has been solved. <laughs> what mystery? I was away. I, I teased it last week. Oh, I didn't yeah, tell yeah, anybody yeah, yeah. where I was. I said a story was going to come out. It finally came out. I went to Greece. I wrote a story yeah. about Rick Pitino. You made me bleep out Greece. I made you bleep it out because I didn't want, I had to keep it all under wraps. It was all very close hold. I'm glad you're back. Um, I appreciate that. I hope you drink a lot of olive oil straight. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> I did. <laughs> just order it at the bar neat. You know? I, I did. I did a bunch of shots of those and some pistachios that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. But uh, yeah, I was away for a while. I wrote the story. I hope you guys will read it on TheRinger.com. But I didn't want to tease it too much. I just didn't want people to know quite where I had absconded to. So we kept it under- Absconded? Uh, I had gone all away. I had gone to this place. <laughs> absconded. Uh, but anyway, so later on in the program- to explain to you how that story came about and to discuss it with me will be one Chris Ryan, who uh, was instrumental in helping get it approved because it required international travel on the company dime. And uh, my good friend, Dave the Greek, who is prominently featured in the story and who came along as my both translator and Greek fixer. He's Greek-American and was instrumental in the story as well. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But first, I want to say thanks for listening. Please rate and review us and all of our fantastic NBA shows and pods if you would be so inclined. And also, please check out TheRinger.com. We've got a lot of great content up there right now. We've got Dan Devine's biggest winners and losers from the NBA's third quarter. Haley O'Shaughnessy on the Nets finally being at full strength just when they need it most. Zach Cram wrote a very Zach Cram piece about why the NBA three-point boom is far from over. And KOC, KOC taking his job status in his own hands, wrote, what's really the matter with the Celtics? You know what I love about KOC? What? When he does a heel turn and goes against his own people. <laughs> That's my favorite KOC. Well, no, no, no. He's, a, he's an objective journalist no, in no. his words. He's, I, not a, uh, he's not a Celtics fan. I'm going to summarize it for people who haven't read it yet. KOC hates Boston and the Celtics. <laughs> so if you're from Boston, he doesn't like you anymore. Uh, so like I mentioned, later in the show, Chris Ryan and David the Greek will be here. But first, we're barreling towards the postseason. There are some teams that are doing better than others. One of those teams that's not doing so hot right here in LA. One of those teams that's not doing so hot, KOC's aforementioned Boston Celtics. So to break down all of the NBA playoff races, we're going to bring in our resident heat check smart person. Let's hit it. Boom, shakalaka. He's 
All right, joining me on the other line, one of our favorites here at Heat Check. He's a repeat offender. He's a staff writer at TheRinger.com. He also is one-third of the Corner 3, which you can listen to on the Ringer Podcasting Network on Fridays. It's Jonathan Charks. What's up, Charks? What's up, Gans? Happy to talk to our EuroLeague correspondent over there. <laughs> I am going to be our EuroLeague bureau chief. Chris and I are finalizing that deal. Uh, later on in the program, maybe I'll talk to him about that. Uh, you wrote two amazing stories, one on Josh Richardson. I highly recommend people go and read that about how he's become... Uh, Sort of an unexpected and prototypical 3 and D guy for the Miami Heat. So check that out. And also really good that we're going to get into a little bit later on about Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors. I don't want to give that away just yet. But first, Charks, Isaac, as our resident Heat Check historian, uh-huh. have we ever talked about the Los Angeles Lakers on this program? The Los Angeles Lakers, I don't believe that we have ever mentioned their existence on the ringer. Hasn't happened. No. We're going to do it mm-hmm. for the first time ever, gang, right here on Heat Check. The Lakers, Charks, they're not very good anymore. Or at all at this season, they've been bad. This has to be Isaac's like favorite week in NBA history. <laughs> like the Lakers collapse, the Clippers in the playoffs. This is as good as it gets, right? So they go out and they lose to the lowly Suns. Uh, they are, and I'm looking at the standings right now, and I keep doing the math in my head, and it just still doesn't register. But this is true. They are two and a half games back of Riley McAtee, Sacramento Kings. They are four and a half games back of the final playoff spot in the Western Conference, which is your San Antonio Spurs. 538 Sharks gives them an 8% chance to make the playoffs. ESPN's model gives them a 0.9% chance to make the playoffs. Vegas has made it plus 600 to make it, minus 900 to miss it. Basically, everybody is saying it's over. Is it over? Yeah, basketball reference has it at 1%. I'm looking at it right now. Mm. It's like, I, I can't not believe in LeBron until he's eliminated, but it's hard to really, at this point, have much confidence left with those numbers, what they are. But like, I'm going to believe in LeBron. I've watched LeBron in my entire life, I feel like. I can't give up on him until it's absolutely over. So this is generally my default position. I think people who listen to the Heat Check program know that I'm just, my, my worldview when it comes to basketball is very simple. If you have LeBron, you're going to be good. And that has been true for the last 13 seasons. He's made the playoffs for 13 straight years. The last time he didn't make it or he had a losing team this late into the season was his rookie year. So it's generally like, yeah, he'll figure it out, except for he hasn't. And now he has missed a bunch of games, and they're, they've been a lot better with him than without him. I think they're 6-12 uh, and 12 without LeBron this year and 24-21 and 21 with LeBron, thanks to Isaac Lee for putting that in our show outline. But it's just amazing to me that he hasn't been able to marshal them since he's come back and just like reboot, flip the switch, whatever you want to use, whatever cliche you want to use. I just expected that that would happen. It's not happening. I mean, the most entertaining part has been his post-game comments, the yeah. Instagram feed. Like LeBron's for living the postmodern life right now. Yeah, it's it's really great. I, I've really enjoyed their, uh, their post-game comments, their uh, workout comments. So among other things that have been said, after they lost to the Suns, Kuzma said, obviously there's something wrong with this team. <laughs> no shit. Astute observation. LeBron said, I'm not here to harp on the negativity or the negative. And then he said, we could have played better here. We could have played better there. That's been throughout the whole season. Why has it been out throughout the whole season, though? Because I, I, like, I, I don't know where you were. I forget what your position was preseason. But KOC and I were like, yeah, I think this, they're going to be like the second or third best team in the West. Yeah, it seems like right now, like one, they really, really miss Lonzo Ball. Like they need him on defense. Like they're old, and then there are two, their older players have been terrible. So like Rondo, Lance, even JaVale's really cooled off. And like three, this is how Isaac Lee, they really miss Zubach at center. 
they're right now playing Kuzma and LeBron at center a lot, and those lineups are getting absolutely smoked. That's been a problem all year. I mean, yeah. from the very, very beginning of the year, like I remember when they were still in like training camp phase, when Walton was like, I might run Kuzma out as my emergency center. I'm like, that's a terrible idea. He's a really bad defender. He's going to be atrocious as your emergency center. So they've been thin at the five all year long. But I, everything you just said speaks to roster construction, right? Because at the beginning of the year, Magic and Plinko were like, oh, we love the guys that we put around LeBron. This is going to be a really good team. And I'm like, I don't know, man. You guys might be overvaluing this. If your whole situation right now is that you know, you're really missing Lonzo or you know, you're really missing Zubac, something went wrong when you were planning your team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tyson really gave them a lot of stability at center, but he seems like he's really slowing down. Mm -hmm. And Rondo, like to me, the Rondo one always blew my mind. Like you get in a guy who doesn't defend anymore, who can't space the floor, who takes the body or best player's hands. This is like Rondo's like six team in six seasons. Like I remember watching him in Dallas like three years ago. This guy is completely cooked. Yeah. And he's just still hanging around. So much for playoff Rondo. What do you think about like the chemistry question too, because so Jeannie Buss was at Sloan and she gave a really interesting quote that was essentially a subtweet of Magic Johnson. She said, there's damage done to team chemistry when players have to read about trade rumors. Trade rumors was inferred. It seems like there's more stuff out there with no sources. I'd like to see more responsibility. Uh, paging Magic Johnson, how much stock do you put in them trying to acquire AD, it falling through, Magic saying, hey, don't treat these guys as kids. They're professional players. They know what the deal is. But clearly, that post, like, we didn't get AD. We were trying to sell off all of you guys. It didn't work. But now we're all coming back together. Kumbaya, let's try to win games. Something broke there. Yeah, but, like, Ingram and Kuzma are playing well. Like, the yeah, guys who Ingram are in is. these trade talks, were like, they're the ones who are playing better. Like, you look at this roster— like, they've got no centers. I kind of thought they'd get more out of Mike Muscala, which I guess is all right there, right? <laughs> I was like, Nobody, well, Muscala help us with shooting at the five. In the history of the English language, you just said it first. <laughs> Nobody has ever said the word, those words in combination. <laughs> I expected more from Mike Muscala. <laughs> That's never yeah, happened. <laughs> they just don't play much defense. They don't have any centers. They don't have a lot of shooting. Like, chemistry or not, trade rumors or not, those issues were still there. And then LeBron got hurt for the first time in his career. I think that groin injury really threw him off. That's a really tough injury to come back from. Tough injury to have. And LeBron's not playing much defense anymore, which never hasn't in a couple of years, but it's really bad now without any centers behind him. Yeah, it sucks when you, I mean, like LeBron could still be your best defender, but like how much does he have left to give? And like at what end of the floor do you want him to give it? So it's definitely been a problem. And earlier on in the season, like he and Rondo were playing pretty good defense and then it just See, went that's off the rails. See, that's what I wonder. Like, if LeBron took a step back on offense, could he give more on defense? But I wonder if LeBron is so tied to his numbers that he feels, I have to get my numbers. Because if I get my numbers, I did my part. Yeah, maybe. Maybe if LeBron took a step back, with the way this roster is built, if LeBron's like, I'll let Ingram, Kuzma, even Rondo do more on offense, and I'll be more of a two-way player. Maybe that would have made a difference. I don't know. Do you think that this means curtains for Luke Walton? So after the Suns loss, I love this because everybody, Kuzma's out here going, there's something wrong with this team. LeBron is like, this is not what's supposed to be happening. Jeannie's over at Sloan. Luke says, I'm confident. I told you I believe in our group. I believe that we can get it done. <laughs> Well, Bless what else are you going to say, right? Like, I get up on this team. It's <laughs> over. <laughs> Coach. Bless his heart. Yeah, he's definitely screwed, right? Yeah, I mean, it feels a lot like Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Like, LeBron comes in. You had a coach who was brought in to coach younger players. LeBron comes in. LeBron wants his own guy. But, I mean, Luke knows the deal. He's been around the block now enough to know. Yeah, I think. He'll get a job somewhere else. I think so, too. It sucks. I really like Luke. I think he's... Uh, 
he was brought in to do one job and everything shifted. And that's a tough thing to do on the fly, especially when you have all these new guys that you didn't really have these relationships with. And you were probably going to be the scapegoat anyway. Where do you think they go from here now? Because they're probably going to have a new coach. They've got all these guys on one-year contracts who are surrounding LeBron and the young guys that they're going to have to replace. They're still trying to get AD and Kawhi and whoever else. But LeBron is going to be 35 next year. Like, Does somebody who's a top-tier free agent want to go and play under LeBron in LA when he's on his way down? He's still LeBron. I just think like making the Lakers the Lakers again, even with LeBron, suddenly looks a lot harder than I anticipated it being. Well, that is the question, isn't it? I would assume like step one is like, once again, make the Anthony Davis offer, dump your whole team, try to get him. I'd assume that's like the major step. Mm -hmm. And if you can get him, then maybe you become a free agent destination. But looking back on it, it it must make you wonder like, as LeBron was getting older, did it really make sense to bring him somewhere you have to do more work and not bring him somewhere again that a star already on the roster? Like, was that really the wisest choice, especially given his age? You're right. That's a really good point. He came to LA. He wanted to be in LA, obviously. And I think that there was some assumption on his part that he's still LeBron. They're still the Lakers. People will just come and play with me. Where he had it right when he went to Miami, where it was like, oh, I'll go play with Wade and then we'll get somebody else on top of it. Like I already got a guy right there who is built in and then we only need one other guy and we're good. Yeah. That's what I was been thinking too with like Durant. So what I've always thought is like, if you look at it, stars don't like to go somewhere without another star already in place, yeah. right? Because it's hard to put these things out two or three years in advance and you have to count on somebody else coming later. It's really hard to do that. Usually the star wants someone already to be there in place because there's no star in place. Now LeBron's kind of left holding the bag right now. It's crazy. Like maybe no one else. It's like he robbed the bank, but maybe there's no getaway car. Maybe he just stuck there. I don't know. I, I honestly... Barely remember what the playoffs were like without LeBron, but we're probably going to find out. It's kind of crazy. I anticipated, like I said, that they would be the second or third best team in the West. I was clearly very wrong on that. I know Isaac is super broken up about it, but here's my question for you. Who do you think is the second best team in the West right now? Because there's a lot of teams that you could throw out there. The Nuggets have been at the top of the standings all season long, jockeying with the Warriors. The Thunder have been on the come. The Blazers are right where they were supposed to be. The Rockets and the Jazz, after having super slow starts, are, are killing it lately. Uh, who do you got? I'll tell you this. The team I trust after Golden State the most is probably Houston right now. I think Houston's got Harden. They know how they want to play. And I think they know how to play small ball better than these other teams. And I trust their style of play in the playoffs. Isn't that wild after the way they started too? Yeah. And I mean, if you look at the numbers, I think the biggest thing, since the All-Star break, Chris Paul's played much better. Oh, he's killing and I think it. Chris Paul getting back to even like 85, 90% of what he was, that is just a huge difference maker for that team. And maybe he was sandbagging it all season. He's pretty old now. He is old. He's constantly having to like play himself into shape. But supposedly, like I was watching the the Rockets Celtics game and they were pumping up how he's like changed his routine so that he could stay healthy for the postseason. Okay, sure, I'll believe it when I see it. But yeah, I think you might be right. I think that, you know, the Rockets are are playing exceptionally well after that really slow start. I think the Blazers are what we expected them to be. OKC with Paul George has exceeded my expectations. So have the Nuggets. I mean, the the Nuggets are the wild card for me because they're just so deep. Jokic is obviously their best player, but is Jokic as your best player enough to be the second best team in the West? I wonder. Yeah, I mean, Denver's just a young team. They've kind of skipped a step, right? Because they were the number nine seed last year. Normally you expect, okay, a young team get in the playoffs, like the fifth through eighth seed to learn the first round get better for next year. But Denver's on number two seed and they've kind of like jumped two steps in the process. And we'll see how they look in the playoffs. You haven't seen any of those guys in the playoffs, basically. It's all freshly for all of them. 
Yeah, I don't know how they'll perform in the playoffs. I will say that I really have enjoyed watching them. Jokic is so much fun to watch. Love you. The team is just fun to watch. Like yeah. they shuttle in all these like interchangeable pieces and they're, you know, guard and wing heavy and like they're just fun. They're like, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot how good Will Barton is at basketball and he's like their fourth option. It's just really wild. Also, the Utah Jazz have been delightful to watch after Palo, shouts to Palo Escobar, who I love dearly and is a regular on this program, but he was killing the Jazz all season long and saying that they weren't good. Now all of a sudden they're giving Palo his comeuppance. The great Joe Ingles. That was really the key for the team. He's giving yeah. him the keys to the offense. He's running point a lot now. He is. He's really letting Mitchell play off the ball and go for shots. They go bare still. Yeah, when Ricky's on the bench, generally, like if they in the times when they're they're playing them at the same time, it's almost like they have two point guards. And then like in the middle of the game when they're staggering their minutes, it's you're exactly right. He's handling a lot of the point guard duties, and it's fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, here's what I connected with Houston. I look at the teams above them, Oklahoma City, Utah, Portland, Denver. All those teams have traditional big men. Harden's going to attack them in a playoff series. Like, can Steven Adams, can Rudy Gobert? I yeah. saw it last, last yeah. year. Harden crushed Gobert. Can Nurkic, can Jokic, all those guys, Harden's going to isolate them. They're going to spread them out. Can they throw in Harden or do they have to go smaller? Do they have to change who they are to play against Houston? I think it gives Houston an advantage over almost all these teams but Golden State. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this. Although, oddly enough, I think I might be more excited about the Eastern Conference playoff picture. Oh, I think so, for sure. I mean, the top four in the East is fascinating. It's crazy. And I, I want to pivot to the Eastern Conference now and talk to you about that because the Pacers somehow are still in this mix. The Sixers and the and the Celtics could be locked into a 4-5 matchup, which oh, would be man. crazy. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, that, would break the, that would shut the ringer down. Like That would just be... It would be the end oh for God. all of us. I mean, like this is something like... <laughs> I wrote about this last year uh, when the Celtics dispatched the 76ers in the semifinals where I was like, hey, we're looking at the next however many years of these two teams jockeying for like Eastern Conference supremacy. And one of them might be one and done in the Eastern Conference in the first rounds. Yeah, I mean, just the takes. Like, my eyes are already bleeding from the takes from that. <laughs> from Philly not being knocked out in the first round or Boston. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, let's let's go down. So, the Bucs are already in the playoffs. They're the first team to clinch. The Raptors, I think, are an interesting case study. I, I still think that they're the deepest team in the Eastern Conference. You wrote a piece, though, about the Raptors and Kawhi saying the one thing holding back Kawhi and the Raptors from greatness. For people who didn't read it, the abridged version. Basically, I think Kawhi... For a guy who's like a 25-point-a-game scorer, he's dead last in assists. So there's 13 players averaging 25 a game in the NBA this season, and Kawhi is dead last at 3.5 assists per game. He doesn't have as big a role in the offense as you would expect. I think the only guy among the top 20 scorers in the league who touched the ball less than Kawhi is Klay Thompson. It's crazy. Basically, Toronto has their whole offense, and Kawhi kind of pops in now and scores at will, basically. But he's not really the, like, the hub of the offense. It's still Kyle Lowry. And to me, in the playoffs, if they're going to beat Milwaukee, if they're going to get to the NBA Finals, they've got to have Kawhi creating shots for Lowry or in Lowry creating shots for Kawhi. Because you need a 6'7 guy who's going to get his own shot in the lane whenever he wants. And Kawhi right now, sometimes, he's still not passing much as he needs to. He's still shooting a little too much, I think. I think he has to be more of a pass-first player. What do you make of the way that they're using Marcus Gasol, too? Because he's lately gotten more minutes, but initially they were keeping him in like the low 20s. Some of it was matchup-based, some of it wasn't. Do you think that like he could be an X-factor as the playoffs approach? Are they trying to save him as the postseason approaches? See, I think they brought in Gasol to help Kawhi with the playmaking to kind of release, ease some of that burden and be less Lowry-reliant. 
The problem I wonder is like, as they go deeper into the playoffs, can Gasol stay on the floor given his lack of speed? If yeah. he gets spread out by smaller guards, because he hasn't been out of the first round in the playoffs in like four or five years. I feel like these bigger, slower centers, as you go deeper in the playoffs, they become more of a liability. Yeah, that's proven true over the last few years. We've definitely seen that. And you mentioned like guys like Harden or guys who can take you off the dribble when you, you know, you're switching onto them in a pick and roll situation, and you're dragging them away from the basket. They do become liabilities. So I love Gasol. I love his playmaking, but that'll be something to watch for sure. So those two teams, the Bucks and the Raptors at the top, pretty much, there's sort of tiers in the Eastern Conference. Bucks and the Raptors at the top. And then in the middle, you've got this Pacers, Sixers, Celtics situation, which the Pacers keep plugging along without Oladipo. The Sixers haven't had Embiid of late. And then the Celtics, uh, Isaac, as our resident heat check historian, have we ever talked about the Celtics here? Uh, where, where are they located? Uh, Boston or somewhere something Somewhere like in, yeah. in the Northeast. Yeah, somewhere. somewhere, somewhere have completely and totally cratered. Here's what I put in my show notes, Sharks. I have Celtics and then I just have LOL. And Isaac told me not to get fired. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely been pretty fun to watch. It's Kyrie. Kyrie and LeBron, like, they seem to have rubbed off in the worst way with each other. Like, they're both just on, like, planet who knows anymore. They deserve each other. I hope they get the band back together. That's what I've been wondering. That phone call, that mysterious phone call, who knows what it was talked about. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. If you had to bet on that middle tier between the Pacers, Sixers, and Celtics, who has the better chance? I mean, the Pacers are probably going to have a more favorable matchup, but who would you bet on advancing further in the playoffs because the Pacers don't have depot. I like I like that they're still plugging, but I wonder how sustainable it is when you're in a playoff matchup. And then the Sixers and the Celtics, if they face each other, one of them's already out. That's what it seems like to me. Um, I feel like all those teams will be underdogs to Milwaukee and Toronto. So I feel like the second round will be tough for any of them. Man, Boston's got so much talent. They're so deep. I still want to believe in Boston, even though there's really no reason to at this point. But I still want to believe in Boston I think Horford in a playoff series has a lot of value, though. Philly's playing well, too, with, uh, with Harris. I'll say Philly has the high. I'll go with Philly. The man knows his audience. About it. You know your yeah, audience. Right. I appreciate that. You come on the Heat Check podcast. You pick the 76ers. It's the way it's supposed to work. The bottom three teams, the bottom tier is the Pistons, the Nets. And currently, the Magic and Hornets are tied for that last spot. Uh, it would go to the Magic if it ended right now. Sure. Are any of these teams any good at all? I mean, like the Magic, we're trying to pull, like thread the needle between player development and making the playoffs. For some reason, the organization, everybody I talk to constantly like, yes, we really want to make the playoffs. Okay, sure. The Nets have been a somewhat pleasant surprise this season. I I think that um, they've exceeded expectations and the Pistons have been right around 500 pretty much all season long. Yeah, here's all you need to know about the Eastern Conference playoff race. I think the big move was the Pistons getting Wayne Ellington that was like the game-changing move. <laughs> it's, un- it's unbelievable. Like, what a weird group of teams this is. Because he gave them a good shooter. Like, the Pistons, they've got Blake, and they really were struggling with shooting around him. Now they're just playing Ellington, Luke Kennard, and spreading the floor for Blake. Uh, I think Brooklyn probably has the most talent. What's happening right now with them is when Levert's come back, they've had to kind of change their identity on the fly because they, when he got hurt, it became D'Angelo Russell's team. And now Levert's back and they're kind of feeling that out. And Levert's really struggled since he came back, which makes sense because of that really bad injury he had. But he was playing at an all-star level before the injury. And now it's kind of like a low-rent Boston where you have all yeah. these guys who used to playing with the ball in their hands. Now I'm trying to figure it out once again how to make a mix work in the last weeks of the season. Yeah, I, I've, I've liked watching them. And, and I'm just, I'm staring at the standings right now and I'm, and I'm looking at like a Pacers-Pistons first round where one of them Ooh, advances NBA to, TV, to, the, <laughs> to the semifinals. Holy shit, the NBA. Um, all right, what else do you got? Work? What are you working on for this week? Anything good? 
Yeah, I'm working on a big John Morant piece, trying to get to the bottom on kind of the other breakout star in college basketball this season. John Morant, a point guard in Murray State, went from like a first round pick to possibly a top five pick. So to see what he's all about, kind of breaking down his game, how he projects into the NBA. This is prime time Chark season. You've got the NBA regular season funneling towards the playoffs. You've got March Madness coming up. You're in your glory. Yeah, I'm going into March Madness month a little bit. I'm going to probably be covering that pretty hard for three weeks. And the nice thing is that ends and, oh, right, NBA playoffs start. You'll come back and you'll explain all of college basketball to us because I don't watch it. Hey, you got to watch Zion Guns. If that's worth I've time. heard of him. I, I saw the shoe blown out and that was like the extent of my college basketball watching. But I, I get my college basketball through osmosis, through the corner three with you guys. And then, of course, uh, One Shining Podcast with Tate and Titus. So I got, I got all my college basketball guys funneling me information. Yeah, I'm saying is like college basketball, whatever. Zion is, that's a whole different thing. If he's healthy, make sure to watch him. He is incredible to watch. You're selling me. Uh, Go read Jonathan Charks. Listen to him on the Corner 3 on Fridays. He's excellent. Charks, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me on. All right, that was Jonathan Charks. Before we get to Chris Ryan and Dave the Greek, we want to remind you about the NBA Watch of the Night. Isaac Lee, this is your game. Oh, man. Clippers at Lakers on NBA TV Ooh. tonight. Could this be the final death blow to the Lakers? <laughs> uh, I'm just grinning ear to ear, just imagining that scenario. So unlike you to take schadenfreude for the Lakers here and, <laughs> and delight in their misery. In fact, it's so unlike you that you even made a song about it. <laughs> yeah. Can we get a little sample? Guys are maniacs. I would have bet all the money in the world that the Lakers would make the playoffs, and then I would have bet even more money that they'd be better than the Clippers, and I would have no money. Yes, uh, you would. I, I've been telling everybody all year, and I told everybody last year, I was like, hey, I don't think the Lakers are going to be good with LeBron because they were such a bad team last year. They won 35 games. They, you know, they're a young team, and that front office, not very good, as, as we just discussed with Sharks. And uh, I would have advised you against betting all the money. I would have bet all the money and I would have lost all the money because I would have argued to you that the Cavs sucked too last year. That supporting cast was horrendous. Aside from Kevin Love, it's not like they had world beaters. I just figured like LeBron would be good, but that's not true. Let this be a lesson to everybody who says that because I work in sports or because anybody works in sports that you must automatically know what's going to happen in games. The truth of the matter is, here's a little secret. Nobody knows shit. None of us have any idea what we're doing. Uh, Nobody knows anything, but I will watch the Clippers and the Lakers tonight and I guess pour one out for the Lakers because this could be the end for them. Clippers at Lakers or Lakers at Clippers. It's the same place. It's technically a (laughs) Lakers home game. And then before that, it will be the Maz at the Nets. Both games are on NBA TV. And remember, gang, if you want to watch every NBA game, please subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com or from your preferred video provider. And now before we go back to Heat Check, let's get a word from our sponsors. Today's episode of Heat Check is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be so hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find the right people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter 
ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-I-N-G-E-R-N-B-A. ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNBA. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Today's Heat Check is also brought to you by ADT. Real protection. When it comes to something as important as your family's safety, you deserve real protection from ADT. Real protection means the nation's number one smart home security provider is standing by and there for you when you need them. Real protection means having a safe and smart home with everything from video doorbells, surveillance cameras, smart locks, lights, carbon monoxide, and smoke detectors in a system that's custom designed to fit your lifestyle. And setting up custom automations to do things like lock the doors and set the thermostat when you leave. Real protection means staying safe on the go, in the car, or when your kids are at school with the ADT Go app and SOS button. Real protection means 18,000 employees safeguarding you. Real protection means direct connections with first responders. No matter how you define safety for you, your family, or your business, ADT is there. ADT, real protection. Visit ADT.com slash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. And now, let's bring in Chris Ryan and Dave the Greek. Boom shakalaka! He's heating up! He's on fire! All right, joining me in the studio, our editorial director, host of The Watch, my editor, Chris Ryan, and on the other line, internationally known. Famous now. Dave the Greek, Dave the Fixer, uh, properly known as Dave Durami, my friend, Dave the Greek. Dave, how's things? Good, good. How you guys doing? Good, man. Good. Dave, is it weird now that like you're like the you're like the Michael Clayton of sports journalism? <laughs> Are you gonna start getting people being like, hey man, I need a pound of pistachios and can you get me some time with Jay Wright? I wish I could say yeah. If it goes as smoothly as our week in Athens, then I'd love to. You know, if you guys are ready to uh, do a story on uh, on David Blatt with Olivia Bus, you know, with, with my uh, my my Greek half my Greek roots and half my uh, Israeli roots, I'm on board. I'm ready to go. He does have like all of a sudden a side business now. So, so for people who didn't uh, realize or haven't read the story, I wrote a story about Rick Pitino, who now coaches Panathinaikos in. Oh my Greece. God! Not Excuse bad, right? me, Panathinaikos. <laughs> Dave, how many times did we practice saying that? About a million, right? Absolutely, yep. It's, it's definitely not an That's easy... That's just because uh, if you did it in your Philly accent, it'd be like Panathinaikos. Yeah, Panathinaikos. <laughs> um, but so I wrote I wrote the story about Rick Pitino, but in order to do this story, I think I was sort of like uniquely positioned it only because I know Dave the Greek. Dave is a, a good friend of mine, has been for a very long time, is Greek-American, is fluent. His family lives over there in Athens, not far from Pitino. And I told Chris, I was like, hey, I, w- I really want to do this story, but also... I want to bring Dave with me, which is kind of a weird request, except for Chris has been in Dave's living room and has uh, background knowledge on all this. Yes. I Well, John brought me over to watch an Eagles game there mm-hmm. uh, over That's the Christmas right. break and was like, have you ever had Greek pistachios? And I had not. And they are buttery and delicious. <laughs> and they are something that Dave may or may not bring to the United States in bulk. And I was I was convinced of his... His alchemical abilities after that. (laughs) Yes, Dave traffics Greek pistachios back and forth from Greece to America. And that was basically my selling point for Chris on on how to bring Dave the Greek with me. But so 
Dave, you've been over there a zillion times. You've been going since you were a kid. As I said, your family lives over there. I'm going to whisper this so that the Patino crowd doesn't hear it, but they're kind of Olympiacos supporters. Uh, (laughs) And you had told me about how crazy it was, but it doesn't really do it justice until you see it, right, Dave? Yeah, I I had a sense of what it was going to be like going into it. And, you know, as I was telling Coach Patino and you guys, you know, Greece is one of the few European countries where, yeah, of course, soccer rules the roost there, no question about it. But Greece is one of the few countries where it's actually on par with soccer. I mean, soccer probably still a little bit more popular, but the Greeks, they are fanatics about their basketball team, their national team, the local teams. You know, it, it was only, uh, what was it? I think in 06, Greece beat the Dream Team in the World Championship oh, yeah. in the semifinals. They've had success for, for many, many years when it comes to basketball. So he told me about all this stuff and like and about the pomp and the pageantry and like how intense the rivalry between Olympiakos and Panathinaikos is. And that was one element. Then Patino, like just taking a job and flying across the world, like he gets offered on Christmas Eve and he takes it on Christmas Day. And I was telling Chris about this. But the thing that really, I think, sold it for all of us was the owner. Mm-hmm. So Demetrius Yanakopoulos is the owner. And he's a maniac. And and Patino <laughs> knows that he's a maniac and and has leaned into working for this guy who, uh, as I described in the story, is kind of a Bond villain. And I think when I pitched it to Chris, it was like this idea of, you know, he's kind of an Al Davis figure, but everything that I said about this guy, like he exceeded expectations from the moment we got over there. Yeah, I mean, that was actually the draw. <laughs> You know, because I figured that Patino was probably going to be doing some uh, image maintenance. You know what I mean? And I, I wanted to make sure that... There was like, less there were... of that than I expected. No, I know. And, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like... Uh, I was talking with Haley O'Shaughnessy a little bit about your piece. Mm-hmm. And it was she was just like, it just seems like it's a really good idea to talk to people who love to talk. <laughs> yeah. And that was the thing with Patino is he probably couldn't even help himself. You know what I mean? Like he he was texting you before you got to Greece. He spent so much time with you while you were in Greece. You even mentioned that you were up late one night watching like a Sixers game and he was like, you should have come over. I mean, it just sounds like this is a guy who wants to be surrounded by people and talk about his accomplishments and his regrets and like his the current state of his career and what mm-hmm. might happen in the future. And He's at a fascinating inflection point in his life. And in the meantime, he is somehow mm-hmm. not even the most intriguing character in his own soap opera right now. Since doing this story, Dave, so Dave would like go on his Instagram. I am a thousand years old and not on Instagram. So Dave and my wife will send me pictures from Yanakopoulos's Instagram, like him doing all kinds of crazy things. And Patino has too. He keeps sending me stuff being like, oh, did you see the latest photo? Which I'll then send to Dave and then Dave will send a patino or whatever. You can just open the link. You know that, right? I know, yeah, I know. Right. But it's easier for them to just send it to me that way. It takes. A, I, I have middlemen for this, Chris. Patino We're has, not paying for middlemen, are we? <laughs> who knows? It's all in the expense report. Uh, but Patino even said to me, "This I told you the story should probably be about Yanakopoulos. Like, Dave, like, Put in perspective what a cult figure he is and how many conversations we had in Greece about Yanakopoulos and like how basically everybody thinks he's like either directly or indirectly mobbed up. Yeah, it, it's funny when you mention his name to anybody over there, it, their initial reaction, whether it's a like a joking laugh or a smirk, and then they uh, they all have their opinion on him, whether it's, you know, for sure that he's he's in who knows what he's involved with or you know, if it's a Libya Bose fan, yeah, they're 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 crushing him and just his ways and how how 
how crazy uh, he comes off, whether he's crazy or not, but how he comes off, definitely he's an interesting guy. So let me ask you guys. So obviously in John's piece, there's this incredible moment where there's this Athens Derby being played, this this rivalry game is being played, and there are flares going off mm-hmm. inside of a building, which is somewhat different from soccer. I mean, you see flares in a lot of European soccer matches going off, but rarely indoors. You've got insane. people smoking. You've got guys dressed up as off-brand mascots of some sort. I don't even know. There's uh, a lot of chaos going around. Not now. I'm not, I don't think you ever feared for your life, but it, like, what kind of adjustments were you having to make? Like, because like, the game was called. I mean, this is just not what really happens in most American pro sports. So, Dave, this is interesting because before we went, his mom and his mom's boyfriend were warning us like, hey, be careful when you go. And again, I'd been to Greece with Dave before, so I was like, it's fine. But they warned us because you never see like in American basketball or American sports fans of both teams at the game. Yes. Except when the the Warriors play anywhere in California. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Understanding that like you would generally have some supporters of the other team and it would mostly be fine. Even in Philly, like it doesn't matter if like New York. But it's not like where they have like, there's like a, a full side of the stadium that's Giants fans at an Eagles game. Right, right, right. those people have to be bust in special. Like, that's not how it works. There's like a couple thousand scattered Giants fans who usually lay low at, at Eagles games. Yeah, in Greece, it's complete opposite where like, they separate them for reasons that are obvious, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, if they ever had them mixed, it, it would be chaos. But It would be a bloodbath, yeah, if, they, if both fans were <laughs> in the arena at the same time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Dave's family was like, be careful when you're leaving because we had taken the subway. Because previously, there had been reports that Olympiacos fans were waiting outside the subway to jump Panathinaikos fans. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, don't wear any yeah, red. Yeah, certain stops throughout Athens, they would be waiting for the Panathinaikos fans. So what about you? I mean, like when we were in, like in the arena, did were you at all worried about it? I mean, I thought it was fine. We were in like the press section. The biggest thing for me was like the smoke inhalation. It was yeah. it was just like everybody was smoking everywhere. California's changed you, man. It's crazy. It, yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, uh, I, and there's signs, no smoking signs all over the place. Nobody cares. Everybody's doing whatever they want in there. <laughs> Thank God they don't serve alcohol at these games because it would, I mean, that's for, for good reason. But uh, it was intense looking around, taking it all in. They have this huge net on the one side of the court. So fans are known for throwing fireworks at the players or like M80s. I mean, they didn't stop chanting and singing basically the entire game, which, I mean, even though it was half a game, but they would have, they would have done it for the whole game throughout. No problem. Those guys. For a country, a small country with a you know with an average salary of probably twelve thousand euro, which is just under fourteen thousand dollars, they love their squad. There's no doubt about it. That's something that always strikes me about Greece. They've gone through this like really rough austerity mm-hmm. period, and uh, the economy almost cratered. And you know, as Dave mentioned, the, the monthly salary is is not significant, and yet these games are always packed, and so is every bar and cafe. I mean, like everywhere we went. People are out, which and I think like all of this makes for a really interesting stew and why I was interested in, in writing about Patino being over there. And also why I think like Patino, despite the fact that he was sort of exiled, is enjoying himself there. Mm-hmm. Like he is alone and his family, only one of his sons has come. The rest of them are supposed to come over. His wife's supposed to come over. He's surrounded by all these people. He's trying all these things that he says he would never try in a million years in the States for whatever period this is, forever, however long he stays, and I still think that it's more likely than not that he's, he's going to be one and done, 
he does seem to be sort of enjoying this like weird wild ride. Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds like when he was in Kentucky for both periods of time, both at University of Kentucky and at Louisville, he was a god, you know? Yeah. And he was the center of attention. Those kids came and went in college basketball, but Patino was the steady, the constant sort of figurehead of the Louisville program. And obviously his reputation in the States is such, and you re- you talk about this in your piece, that it is, I don't know if it's unlikely because crazy things happen all the time in American sports, but it's unlikely that he will get like the UCLA job. It's unlikely that he would get the Duke job, obviously. You know what I mean? Like he's old, but like, <laughs> yeah. like it's unlikely that he would get a job that would be commensurate to the other jobs he's had in the past in the States. Yeah, and but I kind of like the idea, and I think he does too a little bit, and maybe that's why he he was so like supportive of Dimitri. Mm-hmm. This period of him just like embracing that renegade element where he's just like, oh, fuck it. I can be in Greece and just be whoever it, I want to be. It also seems like a guy who can go, who's gone and lost himself yeah. in, in, in the way that he felt like he needed to do. I mean, like, I think he went to Greece to kind of disappear a little bit and that the tension of his sort of moment right now, if I may say so, is that he's at once like disappearing, but also is desperately wants the attention. You he's know? getting both at the same time. Yeah. It's so, it's yeah. so incredible. Like Dave, how many people did we run into over there who were just like, holy shit, there's Rick Patino. Like every time we were at dinner, I mean like the one restaurant we were at on the last night that we were there was yeah. the restaurant that Manos Papadopoulos, who's the longtime president and general manager, had gone to lunch with Rick Patino and said, hey, we shouldn't be here because the owner is an Olympiacos fan. We went back to that same restaurant on our last dinner, had a or had a wonderful Valentine's Day dinner with him and the two guys from Showtime. They <laughs> kept it open late for us because he's such a rock star over there. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and, and I just like seeing the reaction of others when they see him. or It's so interesting to see how they're so excited for this American coach who's over there for whether whether it's six months or another year or so, but they're, def- they're definitely taking it all in and they're enjoying themselves with him there. So Dave obviously was there as the translator and clued both Patino and I into multiple things. But at one point we had a conversation about my favorite, I, I know like maybe 15, what do you think, like 15, 20 words in Greek, Dave? One of which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. would you say you're more <laughs> fluent in Greek or Instagram? <laughs> Greek, absolutely Greek. One of the words I know is octopus. Super useful. But the first word that I learned was mul- is, dude, come on. What is what? It? Octopodi. Uh, oh, come on. Yeah, that's why it's one of my twenty. But, but the, probably the first word I ever learned was malaka, mm-hmm. which is something that happened uh, like on the street side, on the curbside when that car stopped and and peeled off. We started having a conversation with Patino about Malacca, which is the first word that he learned. And he goes, oh, you know, something like that happened recently where these guys stopped and were yelling. And uh, I heard this word Malacca. So I asked Manos, I said, Manos, what does Malacca mean? Dave, tell everybody what Malacca means. It means like an asshole, basically. Basically like uh, your asshole. But it can be used in many different ways in the same way. that, sure. like, Remember Donnie Brasco when um, Johnny Depp is going through the forget about it bit? And you could use forget about it in a million different ways. Yeah. You can use Malacca in that same way. Like I could, I could call you Malacca and it would be like a very friendly thing. Like a term of endearment. Yeah. Exactly. So it, dep- yeah. it depends yeah. on your inflection. Right. But that was uh, the first word that Patino learned as well. Okay. That was the story. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, one thing I wanted to ask you, how was the basketball? Not good. Yeah. Not good. Dave and I were 
talking about like that. Like sub ACC? Like what, what What are we talking about here? Better. No, better. Better. Better than the ACC. I mean, Calathis. It's professional yeah, basketball. They just, it's a rock fight in terms of shooting. Right. Olympiacos is a better shooting team. They just had a bad night that night. Patino will tell you that his team can't shoot. Oh no, no, no! Actually, you're wrong. What? I because I watched that press conference. One of his one of his early press conferences when he like first gets there and runs them through like five practices, and he says, "Everybody says you guys can't shoot, but they're wrong. <laughs> you guys can't pass, <laughs> and it's because you can't pass. That's why you can't shoot." And I was like, "Oh my god, that's the next. This level. is incredible. I got to do that now. Like next time, somebody's just like, everybody says you can't write, but what it is, you can't type." <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. I love that analogy. But yet, Patino went and tweeted that after a couple practices and games over there, that that Calathis was the best passer that he's ever coached. Wow. Yeah, he since uh, amended his so statement Francisco about Francisco Rodriguez wept. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> uh, this was an, a unique piece for a lot of different reasons, not the least of which is like I came away liking Patino. Mm-hmm. Like I came, like I did, I had no preconceived notions about him. I don't cover college basketball. I don't watch college basketball. I didn't really care what he did at Louisville. And I came away like I enjoyed him talking. Like he really wanted to talk and we had many conversations and I came away just thinking like, here's a guy who like wants to throw it all out there. And I enjoy that. Ditto. I couldn't, uh, he was, uh, I was, I didn't know what to expect going into it. I, I had this notion of, okay, what's it going to be like with him? And the minute we sat down for lunch and, you know, he went into a couple stories. The next thing you knew, two hours later, we were still sitting there and he was gracious. He was accommodating. He was just like a guy's guy just hanging out with. Reflective, too. I think like I think he's gotten to a point where he's like, ah, yeah, some shit went wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we wouldn't have had this amount of time with him if this was Louisville or, or anywhere else. But, no, you, you know, had he, sports again, information directors all over you. there. Yeah. 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 It would have been completely different. And, uh... But that's what that's what happens when you go to Greece. When you go to Greece, uh, everything's fly by the seat of your pants, which is exactly he said. Come over and call me when you get here, which is not generally how I like to do interviews. But it ended up working out great, mainly because of Dave. We went. We even got to go to Dave's mom. She made us a zillion dinners. She made us pastizio, which is like Greek lasagna. Which we then had so much leftovers, we were distributing it to uh, our Showtime companions who were also on our plane. So it worked out great. <laughs> It did. It worked. It's just something in the air in Greece, and it, everything seemed to work out. Whether you know with the games, the practices, the interview, it was a, it was a great trip. I'm glad uh, I was a part of it. And thank you guys for bringing me on board for it. Really appreciate you're, it. You're uh, you're a ringer regular now, Dave. Uh, couldn't <laughs> well, happen without you and and Chris Ryan. And as Chris said, if anybody needs a Greek fixer or European fixer, you get it, Dave the Greek. Uh, Dave the Greek. There you go. I will talk to you soon. Chris Ryan's got to go off and do the watch. Thank you to both of you. The story could not have happened thank without you. Gentlemen. Take care. All right, that was uh, Chris Ryan and Dave the Greek. I want to thank both of them. I want to thank Jonathan Charks, Isaac Lee. I want to thank all of you for listening. And uh, if you would be so inclined, please rate and review us on iTunes. We would uh, really appreciate that. And don't forget, we've got a full lineup all week long of NBA shows, and we're going to be picking it up as the playoffs approach, too. There'll be all kinds of content on TheRinger.com, but you can hear the mismatch on Tuesdays. You can hear group chat on Thursdays. And, of course, Corner 3 rounding it out on Fridays. And Isaac and I will be back in perpetuity. We never leave the studio. We'll be here every Monday from now until eternity. Check out next week's show. Thanks for listening again, guys. Bye.